Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 116 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Vic from Silent Skies discusses his first band and I recommend the Sacramento post-rock band Living With Giants. But before all that, Justin Foley from Kill Switch Engage is back on the show. However, this time he is not talking Kill Switch Engage. We're talking about his new band, Libica. Libica is his instrumental post-rock slash post-metal band that he formed while off the road during the pandemic, down with folks in Florida. We discussed the band, how it came to be essentially becoming a frontman of the band, Cats, as the band is themed about cats. It's named after the first house cat sort of creature. Uh, we also talk about The Simpsons and a lot more. Now, before we dive into my chat with Justin Foley, here's some of Palatial from Libica's self-titled album, Libica. How are you doing this lovely afternoon? Yes. Doing great. How are you? Not too bad. I imagine you've been doing a lot of chatting about cats and whatnot, and I just <laughs> not uh, not as much as I would like to. Well, get ready. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. All right, Justin. Welcome back to Far Beyond Metal. I don't expect you to remember who I am. We chatted about two years ago, and uh, when you were on the the podcast last time, you and I spoke pretty early on during the pandemic, and you mentioned, or rather, you didn't mention this new project that you've got going at the time. So I'm guessing you were hiding this from me. So my first question is, how dare you? <laughs> uh, sorry about that. You know, it was top secret for a while. I understand. Uh, I, I read that you guys formed a, after you connecting with the dudes from the Gravel Kings. Uh, how was getting Joey and Doug to go heavier than their other band, which has sort of a Shins vibe for this one? Well, um, that band is one of many bands that they've been in over the years. Um, Joey's been in a bunch of hardcore bands. Um, Doug's played in a bunch of like more sort of punk style bands. So it's music that they've been, you know, uh, at least playing close cousins of for a long time anyway. And it's music that they really like. But, um, you know, those guys have played just a whole bunch of different stuff over the years. And just ha so happens that when I met them they were playing in uh that band which is a little bit different but they definitely have the um the pedigree of heaviness in their background for sure and doug also plays banjo from what i or sorry joey also plays banjo in one of their albums were you guys able to work any of that in or is this strictly guitar bass drums yeah not yet not yet uh, i haven't gotten to that one yet but uh, he was playing with a bow for a while on uh, on one one song and actually during the recording was using a bow on his guitar so he's getting uh he's getting that little bit in now going straight up bow rather than like an ebo sort of thing we kind of transitioned to the ebo ah but yeah or maybe both maybe we'll go back and forth we'll see i got one of those i'm just terrible with it uh, an ebo that is a bobo it takes like well, i guess like, once you get the hang of it it's pretty awesome but it, it's a little frustrating at first to kind of 
get it in the right spot and just to sort of get the feel for it. But it's, it's a pretty cool tool once, uh, once you sort of get past that first little learning curve. I'm, I'm slowly getting there, I guess. Um, so you're, you're kind of the front man of this band with no disrespect to the other folks in it as sort of the, the marquee name. Uh, how has that adjustment been for you? Cause I mean, in kill switch, everyone sort of knows who all you guys are. Cause you're all sort of characters in your own way, but this is, in, in essence, being billed as the Justin Foley band. <laughs> That's a pretty dangerous billing. I would probably try to steer away from that one. But I would say the biggest difference is not having, um, just not being a drummer in general, because drummers are, for the most part, pretty anonymous. Um, and, you know, there's that Nora song, No One Takes Pictures of the Drummer. It's the reason that that's a song, because <laughs> it's true. And you can just kind of be back there and sort of... Um, no one's bothering you, you know, or even paying attention to what you're doing. Everybody's watching the singer and in Killswitch, everybody's watching all the other guys run around the stage too, because a lot of activity going on. So I can be back there playing drums and look out in the audience and not at all be afraid to make eye contact with somebody because nobody's looking at me. <laughs> so it's a little different just being up front and playing guitar and, you know, people might be like, Oh, what's that guy doing? Was it difficult for you to let go of percussion once you got your fourth member in as a drummer, or are you still kind of thinking in that mode? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I was, it was definitely a, a relief to, to, um, to have the band become a complete band to be able to play, because we had gotten pretty tired of playing along to uh, pre-recorded drum tracks for practice. It was only kind of so far that that can get you. It was probably a really good thing for for Doug and I playing, you know, relatively new instruments to have, um, to have that for at least a little while, just cause it's so, um, steady and it's always exactly the same. We could kind of, you know, find our balance with the instruments a little bit, but eventually it was like, all right, enough of this. We need to, we need to have somebody play drums. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, um, I, I definitely will be, still be thinking, percussively um you know writing going forward and everything it's just wired into my brain after all this time and bringing in an actual drummer drummer were you guys able to like jam more and is that something you found um not youth useful but just like more freeing like i don't expect this to be a Humphreys mcgee fish jam band thing but it gives you a little <laughs> more freedom to stray i guess yeah totally um and just another another guy with you know ideas it's always good to just have as many people throwing ideas around that you can because you never know where where something great's going to come from and um uh it's it's just it's just great to have um you know somebody playing and, and it all it just feels a lot different too um it feels a lot more like a band when it you know is a band <laughs> when there are humans doing everything uh, I feel like when I listen to the album, there's a lot of heavy waves and tension building, sort of like a Russian Circles or Pelican on songs like Ascend or Charyu, Cheryu? I'm not honestly yeah, sure. Charyu. But there's also sort of a lead voice or something, for a lack of a better term, on Octavist that's more akin to Cloud Kicker. So it seems like you've got some instrumental variety going on, but everything is sort of big, but not necessarily always heavy. Uh, who are some instrumental acts that you looked to when putting the sound together for this band? Caspian's a big one for me. I'm a massive, massive um, Caspian fan. So I was kind of um, 
I don't want to say I was trying to rip them off, but you know how it is when you're, mm-hmm. when you write music, you're inspired by things. So, but yeah, they're, they're, um, they're a super big one, but I like, I also like, I like how their dynamic ranges, um, really all over the place. I really like that a lot. Um, and then, um, I would say Mogwai is another big one. And although Mogwai gets heavier in, you know, different regards rather than like metal heavy, um, they do the whole kind of softer, somber vibe, I think better than anybody else does. So that's definitely a, a goal to try to um, capture just a little bit of what Mogwai can do. Now I've been in an instrumental band since I instrumental projects rather since I was about fifteen, uh, so we're coming up on twenty years, which is strange to say out loud. But um, I'm going to ask wow. you the question that uh, I always get asked. That it's an annoying question, but I'm curious: Did you set out to be instrumental, or did a singer thing just not work out for you? No, it was set. It was set up that way. It was definitely set up that way. I like um, those bands that I mentioned, and I think one of the real big influences for the bands was. Isis, even though Isis does have vocals, but just the the parts where Isis um, just has very long extended sections without it, and the the way that it builds and the kind of heaviness that they bring to it, and um, I think Cult of Luna is another band too. So even though those bands do have vocals, it's kind of like how can we use things from that, make it an instrumental band, and still bring in hooks um i think that there's some stuff that's almost sort of traditional songwriting um not all all the way through the record but there are definitely some songs with the verse chorus um structure and trying to get some hooks and melodies and the earworms without having um a lyric or a vocal over it now is this a you seem to know your your post metal kind of stuff really well. Is this a sound you've tried to work into Killswitch, or is that just sort of Killswitch has its sound and it's not going to be slow, somber heaviness like this? Because I, I mean, you guys slow down occasionally, but it's not, you know, ISIS. I'm trying to sneak it in every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, it's funny because I just whenever I kind of write stuff, I've had, you know, sometimes I don't necessarily sit down and set out to write kill switch songs sometimes it happens but a lot of times i just sort of noodling around and if i get an idea that i like it sort of goes where it goes and sometimes i'll be like okay this will, some, will be something i'll bring to the kill switch guys or i'll be like this is something that i know that they're not going to like or this is something that maybe they'll like you know i don't know they're unpredictable sometimes sure so uh some of this stuff is stuff that i knew that they weren't really going to be into it. It's kind of been sitting around and been sort of waiting for um, another uh, another avenue for it or some kind of project to come along. And then, you know, finally with the pandemic, there was time to do it. And I knew people that were into it and wanted to do it. But um, yeah, I think every now and then I try to sneak something uh, into into demos for Kill Switch songs and and sort of see if I can get that vibe in there somewhere, even if it's subtle. And you guys have some shows coming up for this band, one with Killswitch that I saw and one on The Fest, I believe. Um, how are yeah. you feeling about these shows? Have you ever actually played not drums in a live band before? We, we've we had 
two shows so far. Okay. So the, I missed those, uh, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> the one with um, the one with Killswitch will be just our third, and it's awesome. It's really really fun. It's like um, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's entirely different. Just just actually even practicing, it's just been an entirely different experience, and it sort of makes me hear uh, music a little differently coming at it from a different angle. It sort of makes me think of uh, a band dynamic a little bit differently. Just, it just sort of opens your mind up to, to something else that you hadn't really considered when you're playing one instrument for so long. But we, are, we really are looking forward to that, and we're hoping to play all the time all over the place and how are you now that you're not you know anchored to a stool i mean you've got a lot of pedals that probably leaves you around your board at least but do you do you run around do you channel your adam d like how, how are you as a guitarist uh i, I definitely can't do that because i need to need to play the right notes <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kind of new so i gotta i gotta concentrate somewhat but it's really one of the interesting things is um, when you're really like feeling it, you're into something and you're on drums, you have this awesome release from, it's just very physical. Drumming is so physical. They have this very cathartic kind of release when you're just beating the action, like the living piss out of something and it feels good to do. <laughs> and I'm trying to find that same feeling on guitar because I just have a little pick in my hand and this little tiny kind of, um, like a uh, little tiny motion <laughs> like yeah so I, I can't i can't really figure that out i guess i can too I'm trying to do some sort of full body head bang but i'm i'm definitely old so it's hard and make sure i don't fall down and look like an idiot I, I whenever i play shows most of my thing is trying to be mobile but also just not fall down because somehow i just lose all balance so uh good right? luck. i'm so scared of that I'm yeah trying to look cool and then you just fall down and eat shit and like kind of looks like an idiot well if you like wind up sliding on your knees it feels very rock star because you play it off. oh yeah i don't know if i'd be able to walk after that <laughs> try it That was a bit of Ferment by Libica from their self-titled album. I'll have more Justin Foley in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Vikram Shankar from Silent Skies discusses his first band. I guess it, my first band uh, was called Meridian, and we we put out we put out one album, and it, I mean it's green. We were a bunch of high school friends basically, and. It sounds like a bunch of high schoolers, but it did actually kind of set the tone for a lot of what I do because it was instrumental progressive metal with symphonic touches. And that's been a big part of what I do to this day in, in a weird way. And it was also the first album I produced myself. So I learned how to, you know, record and ele do elementary mixing and everything. So, I mean, 
He is not great. You can find it online if, if you really want. I, um, I did actually find it in this, and uh, Metal Archives lists as, as an active project, which... Uh, someone needs to get on that, because it's, it's not been active for eight years. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we did one thing um, called, called Metal Effect. It was like a, I don't know if you know the Mass Effect video games. Uh, sort of. Yeah, we did this medley of Mass Effect things, and for some weird reason... YouTube like really liked it, so there's it's got like 150,000 hits or something. Dang. That we that it totally I'm not entirely sure it deserves because it was like really 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 green recording, but I mean yeah in some ways it was crappy, but in other ways it kind of set the tone for a lot of my musical life. So in that way I can be grateful for it. Nectar by Silent Skies, the collaboration between Vikram Shankar and Tom England from Evergrey is out now via Napalm Records. You can grab your copy now at silentskiesweden.bandcamp.com. Now before I wrap my chat with Justin Foley from Livica and Killswitch Engage, here's some of Manifest from Livica's self-titled album. A lot of the emails and press around this band, of course, comes with mentions of cats and being a band for cat lovers. How is this band an homage to cats? <laughs> We're, um, well, even before um, we got Chris in the band, and when it was just the three of us, me, Joe, Joey, and Doug, we, we all are um, very proud cat tats. And <laughs> um, I don't know, it just sort of made sense that we could sort of name it the band somehow cat related. And sort of took off from there and tell me about your cats i will gladly tell you about my cats i have a old lady cat leviathan she's fluffy kitty and she's 14 and um then she has two stepsister cats now velma and daphne that are a lot younger and they're all a bunch of sweethearts and we actually just got a puppy as well and uh, she, the puppy really, really wants to be friends with our cats. And the cats are not sure what to make of her still. She's been here a couple months. And I think Leviathan's the closest to just giving in and being like, all right, I have a friend now. I'm surprised to hear that because I feel like an older cat would be less likely to adapt to a new annoying little creature. I mean, <laughs> I have... Well, Go ahead. the dog is super sweet and really gentle around them. And okay. Leviathan for her first four or five years had a dog 
uh, sister that. So she might have some dog memories kicking around in her kitty brain somewhere. Um, I, I know Killswitch has been working with Metal Blade for a long time, but when you presented this idea to Brian or whoever signs folks, what was the reaction to the elevator pitch of instrumental band cat themed? <laughs> it was really weird. I didn't expect, um, like, I didn't know what to expect because we, we, we started it and we recorded all of it on our own. And then we're just like, all right, let's see if anybody likes it. And um, I was talking to our managers, kill switch managers about it, which we've had for forever. Um, and they're always kind of like, yeah, if you got something, if whatever you do, you know, or I just kind of mentioned it to him. They're like, yeah, send us uh, the demos. I'm curious what it sounds like. And I did. And uh, I was talking to them on the phone and it was kind of like, I was sort of like, hey guys, uh, looking for advice on what to do next. And they kind of were talking about it with this, uh, they, they use the word we a couple of times. And I was thinking, interesting. So I thought to them and said, hey guys, I noticed it said we. Does that mean that you guys are interested in this? And they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. We love it. So I was like, okay, great. So then that was sorted. And then um, they have a really good relationship with Brian and we sent it to a bunch of places. And I, you know, I really had no idea what to expect. I thought maybe, um, maybe it wouldn't be something that they were into. And I definitely didn't want it to be like, they were going to put this out as a favor or anything. You know, I wanted it to be something that they were super into or what, if anybody was super into it, but um, you know, they've got, if these trees could talk on their label, so they get it. And they came back and they really liked it. And they really wanted to uh, to put it out. So, yeah, I was I was thrilled. I thought it would be great. Hell yeah! Uh, is that your one of your cats on the cover, or whose cat is that? That's one of Joey's. What's his cat story? <laughs> uh, I think he just took an awesome picture of uh, that's. Uh, I believe that's Stripey, and I'm pretty sure he just got a really good picture. And we weren't. Um, I don't remember how. I think we were kind of like trying to come up with record cover ideas and everything sounded a lot like much too uh, stereotypical or, or played out all the things we kept thinking of. And then all of a sudden Joey just kind of sent that with a cat and we're like, ah, perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, barring Snowball 2 or Scratchy, who are some of your favorite fictional cats? Those two are definitely... Yeah, we, we talked a lot about the there. Simpsons last time. I figure I'd take them off the table. Um, let's see, fictional cats. Got a Felix. Got a Garfield. Who else is there? I definitely. When I was a kid, I definitely was into Garfield and read um, the Garfield comics quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of recent fictional. Cats, I'm drawing a blank, man. See, there's the musical cats. If you're a Grizabella guy or a Mistopheles, yeah. no, no, not, not so much. No, not so All much right. those. There's got to be something I'm missing. Like, there's got to be a movie with a, with a cat that I'm missing. Oh, there's that movie. Um, I only saw the first like 20 minutes. Keanu, <laughs> is that the name of it? The was it Peel and Keen Peel? Yeah, 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 yeah. Their movie with the cat. And it looked good, and then I uh, remember what happened, but. I think it was on tour and it was like on the bus and we had to do something and I never got back to it. But I remember thinking, okay, I got to check this out. I think minus the tour part, I was also in the same boat where I fully intended to check it out and then just haven't because yeah. I'm bad at doing that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on that list. 
Uh, speaking of stuff on that list, like I said, last time we talked a lot about The Simpsons. And um, with the downtime between pandemic stuff and when Killswitch returned to the road and this, uh, were you able to explore beyond season 13 of The Simpsons or did you decide that's still off limits? I'm going to stick to the good stuff. Still off limits. <laughs> got no time. Even when I had all the time in the world, I got no time. For I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've, occasionally I'll see like a little bit of it somewhere, and it just makes me sad. Like I can't watch it. Like, even the voices just are sad, and like I think I don't like the way it looks in HD either. I don't mm-hmm. know it's a stupid thing, but I don't know. No, I get that. Uh, I remember when it made the switch over. It just it was an adjustment. And I watched a few things. Like I I jump in on the Halloween episode every year just because I feel like I have to, and right. I usually leave a little disappointed because it just feels off. If anything was gonna was gonna still be good, it would probably be a Halloween episode. There was one recent that was just really gross where Homer <laughs> ate himself. I hated that one. It made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, what are they on Halloween like forty five or something insane? Halloween sixty? Like who knows? <laughs> uh, they gotta be mid thirties, right? I, I think it's however many seasons less one, so thirty three this year. Thirty three or yeah, something. I mean, yeah. Three three different storylines for thirty three years, ninety nine different Halloween plots. Wow, I, I've never done the math they on that. Got crazy. And then they also have comic books of similar ilk, so that's a whole other thing True. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows how many different? Like, what is left? How are there any things left? Anything at all left to talk about? Well, I imagine. Uh, in a year or two, they'll probably do a nope or a midsummer if they haven't already. You know, they'll tackle whatever is the hip horror thing. And oh, just like spoof stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. Uh, so I had Charlie from Anthrax on last year, and I harassed him about The Simpsons as well. And apparently, his favorite piece of memorabilia is something he's not even able to tell me about, but instead told me about some crew-only like statuette. So, uh, are you willing to perform a heist with me to go to his home and f- track down all this cool shit? Because apparently he's got a lot of cool collectibles. I know that wasn't your bag, but like, we got to see what he's got, right? I, I'm so yeah. I want to know what he's not allowed to talk about. I mean, what you've you've probably got a, a better in than I do, but he was nervous to tell me. But then went with this crew thing, which still seemed like something he shouldn't have told me. Right? Huh? Yeah, I doubt, I'm very curious. I've got like, I have a couple things. Nothing too crazy. Um, I actually. Uh, I follow uh, Simpsons Lab on Instagram. Do you know that guy? Uh, yeah, I believe that's one of the many I follow. Yeah, Simpsons Lab's pretty good. And there's like, um, he does like a, a couple pictures that he has on it. And one of them is um, that super famous um, wave, like the golden mean wave, like the Japanese golden mean wave. And it has, uh, it's about to crash into, um, uh, it's about to crash into, uh, Rainier Wolf Castle with the goggles. He's like strapped to the pole. And it's like, it's green because it's the acid. And I kind of want to get that. It looks awesome. Yeah, I just pulled it up. That's amazing. And then they also, in that same post, have the the sailboat, of course, and then the reflecting on his mom post. Or... Yeah, the mom one is awesome. That gets to me every time I see that episode. Uh, last time you were on, you mentioned that uh, you had a, like, a drawing of you and your cats or like a comic panel of you and your cats. Uh, in it, I believe you mentioned yeah. two cats. Uh, do you have to update now that there's three and a dog involved? Well, there's a lot of updating because one of those two cats is no longer around. I'm sorry to bring that up. I did I did the math on it as I was talking it out. <laughs> yeah, for a while there was 
there were four, but that wasn't a very long four crossover. Um, we had this, there's all kinds of updating that needs to happen in some of the pictures, but no, that was like the best, uh, the best present ever, <laughs> ever was that three, the three panel cats on my lap. It's still in the house just Good. because we lost Minnow doesn't mean we can't celebrate her through that awesome artwork. Understood. I mean, I've got, I've got a tattoo and the annoying cat who's behind me decides to leave me and disappoint me forever. I'll still be able to know her that way. I, I'm surprised that none of them have come here while I want. I mean, I'm in a prime spot for Velma to come up and bother me and walk on my computer, but she hasn't done it yet. So I don't know why. I close the door, which makes one of them very mad, and she's definitely on the other side. And the other one is over my shoulder on a bass case, which means I can't play bass, but it's in the sunshine, so priorities. Definitely. All righty, man. Well, I will, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, I've got my thing to see y'all in uh, Aftershock in Sacramento. I'm very excited for that. And oh, then cool. for the, the new act, I'll, I'll, you know, if it a proper tour hits, I think it'll be a lot of fun to check out. So, you know. And you, and yeah, what what's the band you were talking about that you said you were in for twenty years? Oh, uh, I have a solo thing called Ovacord, which is just my last name mixed up slightly. Uh, I've been recording bedroom stuff since I was fifteen into like a four track tape recorder up to like you know shitty little home interface things that I've just been doing. And can you find it? Like oh yeah, oh, okay, uh, cool. Ovacord. So Cordova, my last name. Put the last three in the front. O v a c o r d dot bandcamp dot com. I've got a, a stupid amount of time spent on that, but that's not fancy recording or anything. It's just, you know, hobby. Yeah, cool. I'll check it. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for uh, and thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being back. And, uh, you know, thanks for the great music and the, the new record. I think people are going to be surprised by, and it's going to be, I think it's really cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really hope so. All right, man. You have a good one. You too. Talk to you later. Later. Libica by Libica will be out on September 16th via Metal Blade Records. You can pick up your copy now over at metalblade.com slash Libica and keep up with the band at facebook.com slash Libica band. That is L-Y-B-I-C-A band. Now to wrap this episode, I am finally getting the chance to present one of my favorite bands to you folks. That band is Living With Giants. They are an instrumental post-rock band from Sacramento, California that I know very well. I've played a bunch of shows with them. They're great guys, awesome musicians. 11 years ago, they put out a fantastic instrumental album called The World Is Held By a Taut String, and they finally have a follow-up to that 11 years later, an EP called This Place Is Not A Home. So this has been a long time coming. Here is a year-long departure from the EP This Place Is Not A Home by Living With Giants.
This Place is Not a Home by Living with Giants is out now. You can head to livingwithgiants.bandcamp.com to get your copy and head to facebook.com slash livingwithgiants to follow the band. Then, as always, if you would like to keep up with this show, you can head to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There, if you're in a band, you can hit me up to be on the show, find links to all my friends' projects, a store link, social media, past episodes. Kind of think that's it. Anyway. Then the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Central Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.